0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chapter 7 of Imperialism, the highest stage of capitalism by Vladimir Lenin. Um, Today, as I said, we're going through Chapter 7, which is Imperialism, a special stage of capitalism. So, Lenin's going to expand on the argument that he's been making in the past few chapters that this is a new stage of capitalism, and he's also going to critique Kautsky, who was uh, sort of a social democrat. Sort of what uh, what Lenin called a bourgeois opportunist, and honestly, politically, even though obviously the context of the situation are different, so you can't really compare them, Kautsky's positions are sort of similar to Bernie's, um, and I'll, I'll talk about that later. But um, So Lenin's going to start out saying that imperialism emerged as a development and direct continuation of the fundamental attributes of capitalism in general. And capitalism reached a high stage of development, and fundamental features of capitalism became their opposite. So if you're familiar with German philosophy and sort of the tradition that Marx and Engels um, and Lenin come from, it's uh, Hegelian, so it's you might have heard the term uh, dialectical materialism. And dialectics, without getting too big into it, is... Uh, Essentially, the interpenetration of opposites—you know, opposite things collide—and then something new is created after struggle. Kind of, that's how history works. It's the biggest oversimplification ever, but I'll give you an example of how it works. Um, and Lenin is using dialectical materialism to explain how capitalism becomes a larger stage or a different, a separate stage. So an essential characteristic of capitalism in its original stage is free competition, right? And you still hear capitalist ideologues talking about this. Capitalism is free trade, uh, free competition. But Lenin's going to say as capitalism develops because um, systems are in motion, right, they're constantly changing, they don't stay stagnant, right? You don't stay um, as a system with a bunch of small businesses who, who trade with each other and have mercantilism it develops and these businesses grow and in the market system, they kill each other off, right? And they seek to monopolize because these are all private institutions seeking their own personal gain. So they want to kill off other institutions in the market and they're going to monopolize. So that original fundamental component of capitalism, the free competition dialectically transitions into its opposite which is monopoly capitalism, which is no free competition, which is where the markets are dominated um, by conglomerates, corporations, banks, and trusts, which is in today's stage, this is Lenin writing about this in 1917. In today's stage of capitalism, this is much further developed, um, which we're going to talk about more too. So free competition and banks and industrial capital, signifies uh, the the unity of the banks and the industrial capitalists are what signifies this new stage of capitalism, which is, of course, is what Lenin calls finance capital, the, the merger of banks who allow for the movement of money around easily with industrial capitalists and really any capitalists and financiers and speculators looking to expand their capital overseas. Now, um, rather than colonialism by nation over nation, uh, monopoly syndicates and cartels are what are who seek territory, who seek to colonize each other. So. The easiest way to explain this, everyone tells you Iraq was for oil, right? So they gave us political motivation um, for going into the war. They gave us political propaganda, right? Saddam's a dictator. He has WMDs, his human rights abuses. Don't you care about the Iraqis? But the underlying thing they wanted was oil and other resources and more territory um, for the finance capitalists, for the U.S. bankers and for the oil industry, for the Koch brothers and such. So they went into a war against Uh, Saddam Hussein who was messing who wanted more oil quotas who wanted to sell more oil to the US messing with the profits of the private capitalists so they used the US to overthrow Iraq and get that territory So, without looking at the underlying economic um, side of it, without looking at what the finance capitalists and the industrial capitalists want, you can't understand why nations actually do these things, right? You need to look at the political economy as well as the political side. You know, look at what George Bush is telling you, but then look at the the oil um, executives who have been financing George Bush since he got into politics, right? The politicians are nothing but puppets of the finance capitalists. Um, so Lenin is going to give five conditions for capitalism. Now he's going to say concentration of capitalism or of capital. So monopolies, uh, merger between banks and industrial capital. We've talked about that a lot. Finance capital export of capital. So this is different from the export of commodities, right? This isn't, um, a merchant in Britain saying, I'm going to travel to Japan and trade something that they can only produce in Japan, right? That's free trade. this is exporting capital this is um BP and Dutch Shell saying we are gonna build infrastructure in Venezuela so we can extract oil from Venezuela and sell it wherever we want and that will increase our profits which is what happened and why Venezuela is such an oil-dependent country today Um, they export capital right they export things that will make them money rather than exporting just commodities and trading commodities and Formation of industrial capitalist monopolies, so basically globalization, so the monopolies are joining internationally, you know, like we have today, Uh, there are a million multinational companies, and they're basically all to blame for imperialism in the modern era, and full territorial conquest of land, so this means every single piece of land has now been divided, so the capitalists are going to fight each other over it, Um, like, what we had with World War One and the Spanish-American War, all the imperialism of Lenin's time. That's going to change a little bit, in my opinion, and I'll talk more about that later. Um, but, yeah, at, at Lenin's time, this was a very accurate analysis. Uh, countries were fighting each other over um, colonies, and they were exporting capital into these colonies. So... Um, this is undoubtedly a special stage, Lenin says, and, and a good another good explanation of dialectics. And to think how Lenin's arguing here. Think about um, water, right? You have a cup of water, and if it's sixty degrees, and you lower the temperature one degree every time, the water is going to get colder, and it's going to change, right? It's going to change its substance because it's going to be it's going to have the absence of heat. But once you take enough heat away, which is like, what, 32 degrees Fahrenheit or whatever, I don't know, I'm in the U.S., Um, it freezes, right? So once um, it's changing, but it's not becoming something new. But eventually, once you hit a certain amount of change, it freezes and it becomes something different. And that's what's happening with capitalism. It's developed and developed and developed, and now it's something different from what it fundamentally was. Which was this free trade, and now it's the domination of of monopolies—the exact opposite of what it intention uh, originally was and what it intended to be. So, and Lenin says it can't be definitely established, but um, when this occurred, but it can be proven by macroeconomic statistics. And I've spared you a lot of Lenin statistics because they're—you uh, know—I've just given a brief explanation of them. But go read the book for yourself um, if you want to understand how. How in the, uh, from 1850 to 1917, when Lenin writes this, how capital concentrated, and of course that still happened today, it's very well concentrated in the West, and, and now the East is looking to to um, kind of grow out of that with, with what China's doing in the Belt Road Project and whatnot, and we'll talk about that a little bit later too. So Lenin is now going to start critiquing Kotsky, um, and Kotsky's is the leader of the Second International, and he's Lenin's intellectual rival, if you can call it that, Lenin kind of owns him all the time. And then he's also his political rival and uh, Lenin accuses him of being an opportunist, right? You're just hopping on this revolutionary movement to enrich yourself, but you're allied with the capitalists and your analysis is wrong, right? So in some ways I compare him to Bernie, but also it's not like Bernie because at the time, you know, this was revolutionary Russia and Kotsky was advocating for Bernie style policies, whereas Bernie is advocating for policies that get him called a radical communist. But it's kind of funny that their policies are sort of similar, um, but if you ignore the historical context, of course. Sorry, that's just me rambling about Bernie. Back to the book. So, um, Lenin criticizes Kotsky, and Kotsky says imperialism is not a phase, but a preferred policy of finance capital. Okay? So, um, Kotsky claims to be a Marxist, and Lenin is going to say this is an un Marxist view, right? This is not a policy. Um, these countries are always going to resort to violence in order to fight each other um, for more capital. They're always going to put um, the expansion of capital over their ethical interests, right? Whereas Kotsky... Um, Believe this is just a a bad policy and if they get the right people into government They can kind of stop all the wars. This is where I see it as a similar thing to the American progressives, right? If we just elect enough good people we can stop the Empire like the military industrial complex and the finance capital in this country is too Powerful, you know, even if we would have got Bernie elected and elected a bunch of progressives the wars would continue You know there wouldn't be too much They could do um, until you really start to build socialism and really start to nationalize some of these industries, you know and take the power out of the hands of the folks like the Koch brothers but obviously they're not going to go down without a huge fight um so this is me agreeing with Lenin here um, and Kotsky's theory of imperialism is that industrial capital is looking to annex agrarian regions and this is what causes imperialism he thinks um, countries with highly developed industrial uh, yeah industrial capitalists are going to countries with a lot of agriculture and they're taking them over Um, using their superior industry. Uh, Lenin says this is a simplified and worthless argument. It doesn't consider monopolies, cartels, trusts, and all the aspects of finance capital, which in his definition of imperialism are essential to imperialism. And of course, I think this is right. I mean, there's a million examples of wars that have happened since this has been written that weren't just industrial countries going into into agrarian countries and destroying them. Obviously, World War II. (laughs) Um... So, uh, Lenin says it's not industrial capital alone. It's when banks merge with industrial capital. And as an example for proof, he says in France, uh, there was a time when their uh, industrial capital was sinking and decreasing while their banking, in, uh, their banking sector was going up. And this is a time when they acquired more colonies and, and it had a more brutal expansionist policy of imperialism. Clearly, it's not it's a simplified view to think it's in just the industrial capitalists. Um, I'm kind of zipping past this part because it's a little bit relevant today. It's interesting stuff, but um, there's more stuff I want to get to that's relevant um, to right now. So, Lenin says, capitalists won't discriminate discriminate about what they'll take. They'll take everything, right? They're not, sorry, y'all, my phone died. So, Lenin <laughs> was saying uh, that capitalists don't discriminate um, against, uh, what they're going to take, right? They're not just going to target agrarian countries. They're going to target wherever they can increase their capital. Um And Lenin's gonna quote Hobson, who's somebody who Kotsky says is a purely has a purely political view of imperialism. So Lenin's gonna say Kotsky's view is imperial, is uh, political and it's not taking into account the economics. And Kotsky's saying, no, Hobson thinks that, right? Hobson is the one who has the overly political view. And Lenin quotes Hobson, who says, um, Im- he explicitly says imperialism happens in capitalism when finance capital um, overtakes mercantilism and free trade. So Hobson, the guy um, who Kotsky is saying has this wrong view um, where he's overly political, holds Lenin's view that it's actually the e- uh, economic forces that are driving imperialism. Um... Uh, Finance uh, A merchant, oh yeah, okay, so Lenin says in capitalism where merchants dominate, imperialism might happen um, through industry looking to to dominate agriculture, but it's not. It's financiers and finance capitalists, so that's not how they discriminate when they do imperialism. And, I mean, this has been proven true. Kosky was wrong here, and and Lenin was correct, Um, and... Lenin says, Kotsky's one who's political and believes that imperialism is a mistake in policy. And this is kind of like Social Democrats today. We already touched on that with Bernie. You know, you need to understand that we need to um, nationalize these banks and nationalize um, industrial capital. And and what's interesting here, what I want to divert for a second and talk a bit about is China. So China has a mostly state-owned industry and state-owned banks, but they have a private sector, right? And now China's doing the, uh, the, the Belt Road plan. Um, they're looking to build up these countries, uh, give loans to countries in the Middle East, in, in Latin America, in Africa. Well, less so in Latin America. They're more just trading with Latin America. But doing all these developmental loans in the Middle East, in Africa. And they do have a private sector, right? A big private sector in China. But most of their industry is state-controlled. So the idea is, that is this imperialism? Is is China going to look to colonize these countries? What they say, what Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party say is they're looking to develop these countries. And the theory is that they're looking to challenge Western domination, right? They're just going to try and take over the capitalist economy Um, using some of the tactics of the West by opening their country up to finance capital, and then they're going to expand their influence and develop all these countries who the U.S. has been colonizing and keeping down um, for years. And then that will challenge the West and and potentially cause the U.S. empire to to not have the power that it's had for the last 70 years. That's the idea, but then, of course, the critique of that is um, what if China is just state capitalist and the capitalists, control the CCP or the CCP doesn't stay true to their ideals and they just colonize the world the same way the U.S. did. Um, so so that's the nuanced opinion on China. And there's arguments for both sides. You know, there's arguments. I would argue that China hasn't been doing imperialism thus far. Um when you just look at the macroeconomic statistics coming out of the countries where they're doing these development loans, it looks like they're actually just trying to develop them. But that, that's a topic for another day. I just think it's really interesting here looking at Lenin's example of finance capital, which is industrial capital tied with banking capital, and given that China and the Communist Party have control of their industry and their banks, uh, is it, how's that going to affect um, what they do with their foreign policy? So, um, this is very interesting too here. So Kotsky says that eventually we're going to have super imperialism or ultra imperialism where all the world powers will join and we'll have a capitalism without war, right? Finance capital will just get to this point where there's like one international bank or trust and it kind of just rules all of them. It almost sounds like I don't know, like QAnon people what they think uh, ha- is happening right now. Um, but And Kotsky says that eventually um, the Western countries won't be fighting each other anymore um, and imperialism will be complete and we'll just live happily under imperialism. And what this, one of the things this ignores, that Lenin brings up a different point, but what I think this ignores is that the countries being colonized um, are going to, have something to say about being colonized which is what we're going to see especially post-world war ii and they're going to fight back against these western imperialist powers so kautsky has a really eurocentric view here but uh, let's go into what lenin said and then i'll expand a little bit on that so lenin lays out Um, the current great powers um, where finance capital has been developed and they're already colonizing other countries. So this is Central Europe, British, uh, Russia, East Asia, and the U.S. And he says the struggle for South America is becoming more acute. So these countries are starting to fight amongst each other for um, the division of South America and they've already been fighting for the division of Africa um, and Southern Asia. And he says that Um, Capital is being exported to the developing countries, right? We already talked about this, not just trade, they're exporting capital to these countries, and Lenin has a whole chapter on this, the chapter on export capital, which of course we covered already. So he's gonna pull out some statistics showing um, the pure amount of land that uh, capitalist countries have laid railway on um, as they've continued to develop. And, of course, you need land to lay railways on, so the only way they can be increasing the amount of rail they've laid after they've already developed in their home country is to lay it in the colonies. So this is land that's being laid in their colonies, and this is developing capitalism through the Western export capital in these other countries. Obviously, I used Venezuela uh, with the oil of British British Dutch Shell, uh, or BP and, and Dutch Shell as the example, or British Petroleum and Dutch Shell. Yeah, that's BP. Okay, so, um, so (laughs) Lenin says, uh, there's no way for the, for the capitalist countries to fight over these territories without resorting to violence and war, right? So he's, Lenin's, doesn't predict exactly what would happen but he lays the groundwork for it here so so capitalism because of the export capital would develop in the global south in an incredibly brutal and exploitative way right they were colonized they had essentially slave labor And this would build a class consciousness in the global south combined with an anti-imperialist consciousness, right, with a nationalist consciousness. The right that we need to build socialism and become economically independent and get rid of this capitalist system, but we also need to get rid of the West because they're the ones who implemented it on us. And Kotsky's description of super-imperialism in a way had something right in that post-World War II, all the fighting happened in Europe, And um, on the Soviet Union's border so the US had been set up as this economically dominant country um, with the and uh, with the exception of the USSR and this began the Cold War in which the USSR tried to build the class consciousness of the global south and fund these revolutionary movements and the US and Western finance capital Um, have engaged in a brutal policy, you know, Operation Condor, um, the overthrow in Iran, the overthrow of Indonesia, the Vietnam War, the Korean War, where we've just had murderous wars in order to keep these countries under our boots and stop these countries themselves from rising up and and fighting us, you know, and, and, and shedding the chains of Western imperialism and the finance capital has just begun using these international organizations like the UN, uh, NATO, the IMF, the World Bank with their structural adjustment programs to try and keep these countries as colonies and the US the most corrupt most brainwashed imperialistic violent country with huge amounts of multi or, you know finance capital and multinational corporations our um, military Has been expanded to this insane level and we also have the cia and the um and the special forces and other groups who do you know do covert action overseas or the nsa who spies on our own people and spies on people overseas um the finance capitalists have used the U.S. to overthrow and and murder any group or leader in a in a southern country who tries to shed the chains of imperialism and develop themselves. You know, um, and you could these not to say these are leaders who we would view as perfect through the lens of a U.S. leftist, but folks like Assad, folks like Gaddafi, folks like Sankara, uh, Fidel and Che have been were able to defeat the U.S. Uh, Lumumba, uh, Salvador Allende, and a lot of these folks would, you know, are people I would argue you should definitely look up to and read into. Um, But they've been brutally murdered and exploited by the US. Um, And the only countries who who haven't given into this imperialism and have forged ahead and made their own path are countries like the DPRK in North Korea where they're heavily militarized and the government controls all their media. You know, that's the only way they've been able to expel the U.S. imperialists from their country. Same with Vietnam, they had to fight a brutal, brutal, brutal war against the U.S. to gain their independence. And and that's happened in many countries, but they just lose their war, you know, and they lose it to the finance capitalists. So that's kind of how imperialism has evolved since Lenin's time, it's less the Western countries fighting each other for territory like in the spanish-american war and in world war one and in some ways world war ii because hitler al- along with being you know a horrible anti-semite and a racist and, and power hungry man was also enriching himself and looking to expand germany's capital you know so um so after world war Two with the u.s in this dominant position and with capitalism pretty well developed in the global south and all these independence movements uh, imperialism has evolved and it's evolved into the west trying to keep its boot on the on the global south and the east um, creating these alternative economic systems Um, you see russia and china now teaming up um, to try and to try and combat the u.s hegemony on the global scale and we're going to continue to study how that develops and it'll be fun kind of. There's a lot of violence involved, but, but we're trying to understand it here. And that's why we turn to these theoretical texts, these economic texts, um, to get a better understanding of the world around us. So I thank you for sitting through me with this. Um, hopefully some of you paid attention. <laughs> hopefully some people are reading the book. Um, uh, let me know if you have questions in the comments. I'll try and get back to you. All right. Peace.